Every day when I wake up in the morning, I see the sky and I think about the things that you've made. All the beauty and your glory is showing. Yeah. It never bores me to look at the ocean. The waves are crashing, the water spraying up in my face. To look above and all the seagulls are soaring. Yeah. Got to overcome the darkness so we don't get caught in the middle between the hopeful and the heartless. So, hello, good day, good morning. I just can't stop smiling because today is a brand new day. And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me. Oh, Lord, what a beautiful day. All the planets surround me The way they orbit just boggles my mind The way the sun keeps on shining, yeah Got to overcome the darkness So we don't get caught in the middle Between the hopeful and the heartless So, hello, good day, good morning I just can't stop smiling Cause today is a brand new day And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me Oh Lord, what a beautiful day There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay It's the day that the Lord has made day that the Lord has made. There's nothing to fear, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It's the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has it's made. The day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Oh, so, hello, good day, good morning. I just can't stop smiling. Cause today is a brand new day. And all the darkness and the pain is just fading behind me. Oh, Lord, what a beautiful day. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together on this Monday morning here in Colorado Springs. It uh, feels a little bit like Seattle. Uh, we've had rain, rain, rain. Everything is green, which is unusual for us. Uh, usually by now, we're uh, heading into the uh, dry summer. Everything turns brown, and if you don't water your lawn, you have no lawn. Uh, but it's been rainy and cloudy, and it's what it's supposed to be all week. So anyway, glad uh, glad uh, to have you with us, regardless of what your weather is. Hey, Keith. Hey, Christmas Queen. Glad to have you with us. Hey, Ken. Um, Ken, is your brother the, uh, is it David Bickett fan? Is that his handle on Facebook? He sent me a note this morning and said I knew his brother Ken, and I'm wondering if that is you. Uh, hey, Lewis. Good morning. Edgar Big E in the house. Glad to have you with us. Ken says, finishing up Hebrews. Wow, what a great book. What's up next? Well, I'm not going to tell you entirely, but I do want to give you two quick announcements. Number one, uh, Cross to Crown is uh, running a Blake White sale right now. We've got some of his works uh, for $5. So go to crosstocrown.org 
and you can pick up some of Blake's uh, classic works for five bucks a piece. And if uh, if you order $20 or more, it's free shipping. So go check that out at crosstocrown.org. Secondly, I'm planning, I'm, I think we can finish up Hebrews uh, this week, in which case next week, what I'm going to do is a Q&A. So if you have questions for me, Put them in the uh, the video comments. Put them in the uh, send me Twitter or Facebook, and I can get those. Now, don't ask them in the chat here, because I don't have an easy way to go and look at the chat. But in the comments after the video, uh, if you want to ask questions, uh, you could do it that way. My preference would be Twitter, but eh, I can get them either way. So next week Q and A if we uh, finish up Hebrews as planned this week. All right, so uh, we are in chapter 13 of Hebrews. That's why we're going to wrap it up. And verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So I put uh, as the title of this video something like uh, obey and submit may not be quite right or is not quite right, something like that. Uh, this is a term, this is a, a verse rather that again, like so many, it's easy to take it out of context. It's easy if you're preaching through Hebrews, it's easy to pick up this verse as your sermon text which almost seems like what I'm doing here, right? And and now you pull this out, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And now you're going to do a whole uh, sermon teaching on eldership, depending on your tradition, maybe senior pastor or pastors. And you tell the congregation to uh, obey and submit to their pastors. There may be, maybe some something like that going on here, but it's a little bit softer than that. And the context has to be brought to the discussion. So let me be clear, since I have said what I've said, I believe the Bible does establish elder authority. If you've watched my series on the church, you know that I'm convinced that pastor, elder, bishop all refer to the same men. There should not be a senior pastor. There's nothing like a senior pastor in the Bible. And we, we create um, either intentional or probably most of the time unintentional negative consequences in the church by having a hierarchy. In some ways, it's almost like we have a, a little congregational pope so often. That is not biblical. But there is such a thing as real elder authority. And they are to be submitted to, I believe, uh, if they are giving biblical, godly instruction. But I don't think that's the emphasis here in Hebrews. We'd have to go somewhere else like Titus, Timothy, uh, to talk about the broader elder authority. I think there's a little bit of a difference here. Let me see if I can uh, persuade you of that. And I choose that word persuade you on purpose, which you'll see uh, as we get get to this. But uh, 
I want to go back to where this context began, which, you know, the context of Hebrews is starting in chapter 1, verse 1, <laughs> but we're not going to go that far. Here's, uh, here's how this uh, discussion of leaders started. We looked at this last week. Verse 7, remember those who are leading you. And I know my translation here says those who led you, but remember we talked about it. The Greek here is in the present tense. Remember those who are leading you now, who spoke the word of God to you. These are the guys who preached Christ to you. And consider the result of their conduct. We talked about that, that the, the phrasing here is more like... Um, well, I'm not going to rehearse it, but we, we talked about all this, okay? Uh, imitate their faith. And the there is not in it. Imitate the faith. The, the, the whole point of this verse is, remember those guys who are leading you who first preached Christ in the new covenant and their faith in Jesus, and they led you out of Judaism. Remember what they said to you, what they taught you. Jesus, Messiah, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ken says, I thought you'd be going back to Genesis for context. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you sound like my church fellowship. Uh, we were in we started Ephesians yesterday, and I said, uh, Ephesians 1, and they said, well, surely you're going to go back to Genesis 1. <laughs> that's fair. So this is the context of this phrase, Jesus is the same forever, yesterday, today, and forever, right? We looked at this. And notice he, he calls him Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He's talking to former Jews. Jesus is that Messiah, and your leaders preached this to you. Hold fast to the truth. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. That would be the gospel not by foods through which those who are occupied were not benefited. Don't be led down those old paths of abstaining from pork, for instance, from the Jewish laws. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Right? The, the Jews eat from their tabernacle, their altar. They don't have a right to eat from the altar of Christ because they reject him. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest are an offering for sin. They're burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside. So we, co we covered all this last week. So let's get to verse 17 then. Same context, he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, the reason I titled this, it may not be quite right, because when you see the word obey, that's a strong word. Children, obey your parents. Slaves, obey your masters. When someone has this kind of authority over you, the response is to submit or to obey. Those are used synonymously. In 1 Peter 3, wives are told to submit to their husbands, and Peter there uses the word obey. He uses both the word submit and obey. We'll talk about this. I think I did a series on this earlier. Uh, we'll talk about this some other time, but wives are to obey their husbands. But that's not the actual phrasing. These are not the same words here that are used in context of husbands and wives. This word obey your leaders is 
a little softer than that. It's the word that is usually translated something like persuade. That's why I said a minute ago, I'm going to try to persuade you of something. The leaders are seeking to persuade, to, to influence, to push their people to believe the truth of Jesus. It's in the passive voice here. So the command is, be persuaded. Be persuaded by your leaders. So he's instructing the congregation here to listen to the leaders and allow them to persuade you. See how that's a little different connotation from obey? Especially in terms of thinking of what what you think you know if a if a church leader if an elder gives um, gives a, a command from the scripture like we saw earlier keep the marriage bed undefiled that's a direct command from the scripture so for an elder to say you all in in our church you must be sexually pure elders have every right in fact I would say a requirement to command that of our people because it's a direct command from Scripture. That action of fornication, of adultery, that is sin. And elders have the obligation to say you must not sin sexually. But when it comes to what we believe and think, it's not a matter of commanding you must think this. It's more persuasion. That's the word he uses. Let me, let me show you a few other examples of this. Uh, in chapter 27 of Matthew, that's what it's, how the same word is translated. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowds. See, it doesn't say that the crowds obeyed the chief priests and elders to ask for Barabbas. But they were persuaded by them. The elders and the priests persuaded them. The elders and priests didn't have um, the, the ability to command this, but they persuaded them. Here, it's interesting that it's translated trust. He trusts in God. He's persuaded by God. Uh, here in Matthew 28, it's uh, win him. And if it should come to the governor's ear, ears, we will win him over. Do you see the, the subtle difference between obeying commands and winning through persuasion and influence, that kind of thing? Now let's go down and just see how this has been used a few other times in the book of Hebrews. Uh, scrolling. See how often this word is used? It's pretty popular in the New, New Testament. Uh, all right. So in chapter 2, there's a quote from the, uh, the Isaiah, I will put my trust in him. That's in the Greek, that's this word for persuasion. I will put my trust in him. Well, who do we trust? We trust those who have persuaded us that they are trustworthy, right? Uh, chapter 6, verse 9, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Not The, the, the idea is not obedience. We, we are 
uh, well, we're persuaded. <laughs> we, we look at the evidence and we were persuaded of better things. And uh, so then here it comes back to our text. So I think this idea of obeying your leaders, is a, it's a little too strong of an idea. And it fits better in the context. These guys who led you, who preached Christ to you first, who, who taught you the new covenant, and you listen to them and you follow them, let them persuade you, stay the course. And let them persuade you to follow Jesus. The second one, submit, is also a little too strong here. And you notice the to them is not even in the original. Uh, Peter says Thayer uses to resist no longer. So that would be at least a little softer even still than, uh, than obey, wouldn't it? Um, and this, this word here is the word that's usually translated or usually means, it's not doesn't actually occur anywhere else in the New Testament, uh, yield. Yield. So be persuaded by your leaders and yield, which also fits well with Thayer there, the uh, resist no longer. It just, it, it strikes me as different. And as a church leader, this is helpful for me to, to not think I can just speak to God's people and demand full compliance and obedience to everything I say. That, that's not my place. And especially when it comes to what they believe and think. I need to be persuasive from the word of God and they should work on being persuaded and yielding, but it, it's just, it, this keeps us from, first of all, taking this out of context and also from going too far into that area where there's true, you know, pastoral elder abuse kind of things. But if it's a context matter, that's the thing. Uh, that his heart all the way through this is that these people would hang on to what is true about Jesus and the new covenant and not go back to their old ways. And now he describes further what these uh, leaders are doing. They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So these leaders who are preaching Christ, preaching the new covenant, calling them to walk away from, to leave behind completely all the old covenant structures and, and rituals and so on and fully embrace Jesus, the Messiah, who, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and, and walk in the freedom and the joy and the righteousness of the new covenant. He says these leaders, they keep watch. They, they guard your souls. And they do so as those who will give an account. Now, he doesn't say who these leaders will give an account to. Well, the most recent person mentioned is Jesus, right? Which makes sense. Uh, these guys were sent with the gospel and they are concerned for your souls. They want you to walk faithfully to Jesus and they're going to give an account to him for how they lead you. So be persuaded by them and yield and let them do this with joy and not with grief or groaning. Why? 
for this would be unprofitable for you. Do you hear the heart behind this? This is not simply, whoever this guy is who's writing this, this is not simply a, a top-down authoritative statement. This, again, he's using persuasion. Be persuaded, yield. They give an account for your souls. They, they've got to take this seriously because they answer to someone else. And it was, it's profitable for you to be persuaded by them and, and, and follow them with joy. Let them do their job with joy and without grief, without groaning. And I can't help but wonder if there's some echoes of Judaism here. How many times did the Jews push back against those whom God had ordained as their leaders? How many times did they grumble and complain against the leaders? Moses said this repeatedly. He was exasperated. Remember, we, I think we discussed this maybe last week. He was so exasperated by their grumbling and complaining and resistance that in his arrogance and anger, he struck the rock that God told him to speak to. He says, how much more must I do for you kind of thing? I got to give you water again, as though he was the one that providing the water. And that outburst cost him entrance into the promised land. Now, Moses is not justified in his anger and pride there, but it's understandable why he was so frustrated because these people resisted him at every turn. And how many times did God rebuke the nation for their grumbling and complaining? He feeds them manna out of nowhere. They don't even have to work for it. And they grumble and complain, manna again, manna again. We want some meat. At least back in Egypt, we had better things to eat. Grumbling and complaining. So I wonder if those echoes lie behind this of the writer here saying, follow your leaders, yield to them, and let them do their job with joy. Don't groan. It's unprofitable for people to grumble against their leaders if their leaders are doing a good job. And we're a complaining people. It's easy to, to grumble and complain because we're not getting what we want. And he knows this. So uh, I'm curious, are you all tracking with me? Uh, do you see the, the distinction I'm trying to make between these words obey and submit and do you, do you see the uh, the slightly softer language uh, i'm curious if if you do and if if this makes any difference for you in your understanding of this text do you, do you see how this fits um i'm not going to go any further today so i'll take a minute here if you have uh have comments on that i'm just i'm curious if if it makes sense in the context do you see how he's not just He's not, he hasn't switched gears. He, he's not, uh, he, it's not like he's done with theology. And now chapter 13 is just a bunch of random practical application. That's not what's going on here. We have to guard ourselves against 
reading the New Testament that way. It's not a theology book. We do that with, I told you, we just started Ephesians yesterday. And I don't know how many commentators say the first three chapters are theology and the last three chapters are practical application. No, they're not. The first 11 chapters of Romans are theology and then 12, starting in 12, it's practical application. No, that, that's not what's going on. And it's not what's going on here. He is still concerned above all that these people hold fast to the new covenant in Christ, which is what he's been saying since the first verse. And now he's saying, your leaders brought you here. Stay the course. It will be profitable for you if you do. All right, several people say, yep, tracking, thanks, good. All right, so uh, we're going to leave it there for today and, uh, and then pick up in verse 18 tomorrow. If you are a church leader, let me encourage you, give some, uh, give some thought, give some reflection to this idea that when you are teaching, you should teach with proper authority, but don't take it further than the Lord has given you. Our, th- our authority is always derived from Jesus and from his word. And we always have to guard against overstepping our bounds, lording it over and thinking, our word is final. It's not. And I think you'll be a more effective leader if you adopt this posture of persuasion more so than thinking you are the dictator, ruler, king, especially, I, I, I said this earlier, but senior pastor, that, I just, more and more, I think that is a, that's a bane to the church. All right, I won't uh, go down that path and lecture you on that. Have a great day, the Lord, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Take care.